Hi, I'm Bob Garlick, your host. Welcome to Season 3 of the Business Book Talk podcast. On each show, we will discover another great book that can help you improve yourself and your business. So, I invite you to sit back and enjoy this week's author and find out what makes this book a great read. Hi, everybody. It's Bob again. I have Stephen Covey on the line. The Speed of Trust is the book today, The One Thing That Changes Everything. And uh, I had Stephen on before, and uh, basically, after us chatting about his other book, uh, I said, gosh, we got to do this book. So he's being kind enough to come on the show again. So uh, good morning. And um, hey, what have you been doing recently? Uh, You know, it's, it's coming up on Christmas and stuff. Are you uh, heading home? Um, yeah, well, good morning, Bob. Delighted to be back on the show. And uh, uh, yeah, this is my about my favorite time of year because it slows down just a little bit for me and I get off the road. I've been on a pretty hectic pace. I did a lot of international travel, so always enjoy this time of year to spend more time with the family. And, and the good news is this holiday season, I'm I'm uh, not getting on any on any airplanes, just sitting home. So, which is really nice. But you can enjoy the snow instead of seeing the snow when you're about to leave. Saying, "Oh boy, delayed exactly. flights." Exactly. Enjoy it and hopefully get a little bit of skiing in. That's that. That's one of my favorite things to do. Nice. I'm a big snowshoer, so I really oh, wonderful. enjoy that. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about this book, uh, "The Speed of Trust." What's the difference, basically, between this book and your other book? Yes. Well. The Speed of Trust it was my first book. The last book we talked about uh, was Smart Trust. Yeah. And, and that kind of was trying to give a whole – Smart Trust was trying to give a whole series of examples and stories and illustrations of people out there in business and in society that are succeeding with trust. The Speed of Trust was really the foundational work that tried to lay the framework of what I call the economics of trust, of showing how trust is not just some – nice, soft social virtue, but how it's really a a hard-edged economic driver because it always affects the speed at which you can move and the cost of everything. And that's kind of a whole new way of thinking about trust, that there's economics to it, that it's financial, not just social. And then it kind of makes that business case for trust, if you will. And then probably the most significant thing about the Speed of Trust book is that that I really try to lay out a methodology, a process to help people consciously and deliberately grow trust, to do it as a leader, to do it as a, as a person, to do it as a team or as an organization, to get good at building trust with all their stakeholders. And most people know that trust is important, but they don't really know how to do it deliberately. And this is trying to give people a construct to do that and a process, a method to do it. Hey, do you ever touch in uh, on, because uh, I totally get moving forward and, and the trust thing. What about the internalization of trust where people trust other departments, people trust you uh, as a manager or uh, the, the, even the guy that delivers your product uh, to, to the, the great unwashed masses, you know, his trust and your trust that he's going to do a, a better job. Is that critical for an organization? Absolutely. Uh, because look at, look at uh, what happens when it's not there. <laughs> <laughs> when people, because when people don't trust each other, you know what? They take all these steps to compensate for that lack of trust, 
and that takes you longer, it costs you more. If, if you don't trust your colleague to do his or her job, you're going to have to go check, verify, validate, question, wonder. And, and um, if enough people do that in the organization, then really it's kind of a low-trust organization that's functioning based upon um, rules and regulations, policies and procedures, but it's not really operating on, on trust. With trust comes great speed. With trust comes low cost. With trust comes greater energy, greater engagement of people. It's more fun. It's, it, enjoy it more. These types of things. And so trust matters enormously inside an organization. And, and, if, and if, 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 if our listeners, if any of us can get a reputation as a person, as a leader, that we can be trusted, that our word is our bond, that, that we can deliver on what we say we're going to do, then, then that precedes us. It becomes like a new currency out there, and, and everyone knows, hey, if Bob says it, it you know, then it's going to happen. And you can count on that. You, know, you get enough people operating that way in the organization, that builds a high-trust culture. And with that, all kinds of great things happen. Now, you know, it's obvious that trust is critical. There's some amazing ROI behind it. But how does an organization approach something like that? Do they have to analyze themselves to see where they are on a scale? Are we a trusted company? I mean, a lot of problems companies have and, and individuals will have within an organization is, do people trust me? How do you find that out? Yeah, it's really interesting because most people have not really thought about trust being something that you can, you can measure, you can get a snapshot on. But the fact is you can because just think about it. Trust, trust is a perception. We can measure perceptions. We have to do anonymous surveys to do it because it's because especially if there's low trust, you know, and you ask people, do you trust somebody? And it's not anonymous. <laughs> they're not going to tell you the truth. But it, through anonymous surveying, we can actually get a good snapshot of how we're doing. And the most important thing is to make sure that we not only understand the level of trust that exists. For instance, we might ask people in an organization, do you trust the management of the organization? And, um, uh, you know, and, and management might ask, do they trust the people in the organization and so forth? So you get a snapshot of it. But equally important is to understand the different components behind that. In other words, why? If, if there's low trust because, say, that there's a lack of integrity and people aren't honest, that tells you one thing. If there's low trust because in, um, there's a lack of, of caring, that people don't think that anyone cares, that they're just self-serving, they're, at, they're in it for themselves. That's a whole different thing. And finally, if there's a low trust because of a lack of competency, that no one performs, no one delivers, they don't, they don't, they're not relevant, that's a whole different thing, again, than a lack of character. And so it's not only important to understand the levels of trust that exist, but also the different components or dimensions around credibility and around behavior. And the great thing is that we can actually measure that. And, and many organizations do exactly that. They get a snapshot of how are we doing with trust. And, and for many, it's an absolute surprise to see where they're at. For others, they kind of already know it. They already know they got trust issues and the data kind of confirms what they already suspected. And so it's really an interesting process to measure trust in an organization or on a team, and you can even do it for a person. You know, you get you can get 360 feedback around the speed of trust, where you can see how trusted um, you are as a person. Any of us are, and and that's often really uh, 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 insightful to people to to understand how maybe they're building trust with their 
with their peers or with their boss, but they're not building trust with their direct reports, perhaps. Things like that. Hmm. Let's say, you know, we've got an organization and we've found that there's some trust issues. How do you approach people or how do you approach a department and, and break the news? Hey, guys, you're not trusted or this procedure isn't trusted. We have to fix it. Do you get a lot of kickback from that? Does, does it hurt people's feeling? Is there an approach to, to doing that? I, I think there is a, a, an approach. I think if you, if you approach trust as kind of a, quote, moral issue, then you're going to get a lot of kickback. You know, kind of like, you know, you're wrong and you, no one trusts you. This is bad type of thing. But instead, if you, if you approach trust as an economic issue and to show how, look, um, we got – there's some challenges here because there's been a breakdown in trust. And when that happens, things slow down. They cost more. There's a cost to that. There's a consequence to that. So always first frame trust in economic terms, not just in social or moral terms because we solve economic problems. Then the second key insight is also connect trust to the strategic issues that are important to that person or to that company. Like if, if they have initiatives around engaging their people or collaboration or partnering or teaming, um, trust connects so beautifully to all of these things. And so what you're trying to show is that trust is not just some nice, warm and fuzzy, soft and fluffy social virtue, that it matters. It matters to our initiatives, to our strategic objectives, to things we're trying to accomplish. If you, if you do those two things up front, make the business case for trust, in other words, frame it in economic terms, but also connect it to your strategic initiatives, to your issues, to, to the things that you're focused on, then suddenly it's relevant. And again, we solve relevant problems. And then finally, I'd say the next important thing is that we don't kind of attack people with statements like, you know, I don't trust you, no one trusts you, because those are fighting words to people. Instead, we focus on behavior, and we talk about the behavior that is getting in the way of people having the kind of trust and confidence that we'd like to have. So it might be, um, you know what, there's too much spin going on. So when people are talking, we're not quite sure what, we, what is, what is uh, real, the reality. There's too much spin going on. See, that's a better thing than saying, you know, you're a liar. I don't trust you <laughs> uh, because, that, you know, that's hard to come back from that. But if, if it's, hey, there's too much spin going on or there's too many hidden agendas here. And here's the problem with that. When there's hidden agendas, people don't know if they can trust each other. And when, they, when we can't trust each other, we can't perform at the level we need to. So you're always trying to frame it in economic terms and then you're trying to separate the person from the behavior. And you can go ahead and attack behavior but don't attack people and because people can choose to behave differently. And I find if you do that, if you separate the person from the behavior, that suddenly you make the discussion of trust uh, more viable and, and more actionable and, and more possible. Otherwise, it's kind of hard to talk about trust. And, and so one of the things that we've done in the Speed of Trust book is we've identified the most common and highest leverage behaviors they help people and leaders grow trust. And there's 13 of these. And, and so they're, they're, they're identifiable. You can look at them. Things like talk straight, create transparency, right wrongs, show loyalty, deliver results, clarify expectations, listen first, keep commitments. Things, you know, basic common sense principles. If you behave in those ways, you'll grow the trust. But if you do the opposite of those things or the counterfeit of those things, by counterfeit, it's like counterfeit money. It looks real, but it's not. 
If you do the counterfeit of those things, then you'll diminish the trust. So keep commitments builds trust. Break the commitments destroys it. That's the opposite. The counterfeit is when you overpromise and underdeliver. And the counterfeit tends to be the common uh, culture in many organizations. It's people spinning instead of talking straight. It's people having hidden agendas instead of being transparent. It's people um, you, you know, overpromising and underdelivering instead of keeping the commitment. And when that happens, people don't trust. So that's the whole idea is to, is to get it down into behavior. And when you, when you move the needle on behavior, you'll find that you'll move the needle on trust. The trust will go up with it. You know, you mentioned the 13 um, principles or, or, or realities. Um, is it something that you have to do in a particular order or you j- those, that's just like more of a blanket um, typography for trust? It's saying, you know, this is the area we think it's, there's a problem. It's just to help people define where the trust issues are. Yes, it, it, they're not in any order or sequence per se. They're, these are just, according to the practice, and there's, there's research behind them as well, these are the ones, these are the behaviors that are the highest leverage. And in different circumstances and different behaviors, you might, or situations, you might start with a different behavior or another different behavior, just depending upon where you're at. So there's no lockstep approach to this. This is just recognizing, look, there's, a, there's hundreds of behaviors out there these 13 are extraordinarily high leverage. Get good at these, and you'll, you'll find yourself increasing trust in your relationships. Now, earlier on, we were chatting about um, steps. Is there a way to get out of this quagmire of trust uh, or lack of trust? Once you've you know, been, done the surveys, you've chatted with people, everybody gets on board, they say, okay, you know, this is something we have to deal with. Um, is there a procedure, and do you cover that in the book? Um, yes, there is. In fact, um, um, let me just give this observation on it. Here's what we find is that the, the, the best organizations that kind of move the needle on trust, change their reality, improve it, go from good to great, or maybe from low trust to medium or high trust, are, are those that they, they, they first um, recognize trust as an economic matter, and they frame it that way. Because, again, we solve economic problems. But they second, they make the creation of trust an explicit objective. And that's one of the key learnings here is don't just kind of take it for granted or assume. Just like people have goals to, to increase market share or to increase their margins or to improve uh, the, the retention of people or what have you, you can also have a goal to grow trust. And you can look at where you're at and where you want to be. And, and, um, and so they make it an explicit objective. They declare their intent that we want to increase the trust. If you do those things, then you're kind of setting the stage for why this matters. But then the key is that we now need to, um, we need to lead out in, by behaving in ways that grow the trust. And it's ideal when the modeling starts at the top. <laughs> Obviously, if you can start with the leaders of the group and they lead out with this, you can get change to happen um, far faster than you might have imagined. For instance, we worked with a big Fortune 500 company, and they had 400,000 people in the organization. And, and, but they started with the top 500 people, including the top executive team of about 15 people and the CEO. And the CEO recognized that they, they, they did not have the kind of trust that they wanted and that they needed in this interdependent world. And that they was getting in the way. And so they said, look, we've got to change this. And the only way we're going to change this is we've got to, we've got to 
uh, model it from the inside out. We've got to start with ourselves. So he would use the metaphor of we're going to put the mirror up, and it starts with me, he said. Put the mirror up on me. The only way that people are going to trust me is if two things. First, am I trustworthy? Do I behave in ways that grow the trust? And second, do I extend trust to people? And he said if we can do those two things, if we can behave in ways that grow the trust and extend trust to people, we'll begin to build the culture. Well, it started with him. And then he expected it of his team. They expected it of their team. And then they not just said these things. They actually trained people in this. They gave people the behaviors. They gave them the common language and a framework and a process so that they could be on the same page. And it was really quite remarkable. They, they quickly began to move the needle on trust and improve the trust. And when that happened, they were able to accomplish the two main goals they were seeking, which was increased collaboration and greater innovation that flowed from the trust. But they had to get people with a common language of what we mean by trust. What are the behaviors that grow it? And the, and the cultural expectation that this is how we behave to grow the trust. And when that happened, the needle began to turn. So, so it's, it's a matter of really getting people into the language, the framework, and the process of, of trust being a learnable competency, something that people can do. And when you get enough people doing that, then that's when the change will begin to happen. Stephen, this is an amazing book. I'm curious, when did you have the aha moment? When did it click for you that trust was this amazing thing that people just weren't aware of? You know, it, it's so interesting, Bob. It, it kind of uh, hit me in a couple of stages, but one I'll never forget, I, I, I became the new president of our company, and we were dealing with some suppliers. And... and um, and I wasn't an operations guy. I'd always been a client guy, you know, working with the clients. And now I'm doing operations things and as a new president. And and so we had two suppliers for one product. And and um and one we had high trust in, the other we didn't have as high trust. And I said, Okay, well why do we you know, why are we working with both these when when we don't trust the one? They said, Well, my team said, Well, we have to have a redundant source. Just in case something goes wrong, we have to have a second source. I said, Okay, I can understand that, but the one that we don't trust, we have to put in place all these inspection processes to make sure that everything is okay. Then I just asked the simple question, who's paying for that? <laughs> are they? And my team said, well, actually, we are. And I said, really? So we don't trust them. And then because of that, we have to put, on place these, put in place these inspection processes that we end up paying for. So our product costs more from this supplier then, right? Right. And I said, look at that. Gosh, there's a high cost of low trust, isn't there? And then, you know, that very simple thing, I suddenly began to see it everywhere. That whenever, when there was low trust, I could see, you know what, when there's low trust, you have to take all these subsequent steps to compensate for that. And that takes you time and it costs you money. There's a cost to that. And I, then I began to see the opposite, where how when there was high trust, like with a client that, that really loved what we were doing with them, and they would refer us to somebody else to do business with. And because there was a transference of trust from the client to the prospect, suddenly that new prospect became a, a new client faster and at lower cost. Again, it was the speed of trust in action. And I could see how it worked on both sides. High trust was a dividend. Low trust was a tax. And once I put, you know, I call these putting on the trust glasses where you can, it's, it's like uh, I was in the, in the river fishing and, and, and I couldn't see through the water. There were fish all around me, but I didn't know it because of the sun. Then I put on the polarized sunglasses and suddenly I could see everywhere and there were fish all around and the fish were always there. I just couldn't see them and put on, until I put on the glasses. So, I, so I'd use that as a metaphor. 
put on the trash glasses and you can start to see it everywhere. And that happened to me. And so it really came out of my doings as my working as as a CEO in, in trying to work and do business to recognize that, you know what, there's economics to trust. And then I became more and more excited about it. And, and at one level, Bob, this is just so common sense. Of course, you know, this is true, but it's, it's not the common practice. We kind of don't recognize this, don't see this, and we ignore it. And But once when I began to see it everywhere, then I got excited by it. And then the second big aha was kind of when I recognized that, that okay, not only is trust is – not only is trust financial, but it's also a learnable competency. It's something we can get good at. We can improve. Just like you can lose trust, you can also grow it, create it, establish it, extend it, and even in some cases restore it. And 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 but you gotta do it deliberately, consciously, and you have to do it through your consistent behavior. And 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 so it was a combination of kind of those two insights of recognizing the economics of trust by just noticing the difference between high-trust relationships and low-trust relationships and recognizing that trust was a learnable competency. And so you know, I'd, I'd say to our listeners, just think about it from your perspective personally. Just identify someone that you trust and think about what it's like to work with them and contrast that to identifying someone that you don't trust that you have to work with and, and the difference in the, between the two. And my guess is that kind of, it's kind of like instantaneous to people that they see that there's a big difference. And that's kind of what hit me all at once. And then once I saw it, once I put the glasses on, I could see it everywhere. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking there that all the people in your organization, the ones that you want to have most trustworthy would be uh, people in the communications department and the sales department. If you have a sales team that nobody trusts, you're not going to do any sales. And if you have a communications and PR team that's not trusted – um, they're kind of useless. It's so interesting, isn't it? That very point, because we focus all this energy on on uh, communication techniques and the like, and that matters. But the techniques won't matter if, if there's no trust. It's it's like the iceberg. You know, the greater mass of the iceberg is beneath the surface. That's trust, and the tip is the technique. So yeah, we need to be, we need good techniques. We need good methodologies. But we also need trust. Communication is far more a matter of trust than technique. And you're right. We want to build trust so that we want to be able to make sure that when we communicate that people, they may not always like what they hear, but they know they can trust what they hear. And, and similarly, you know, sales is all about building trusted relationships. People can make a sale once or maybe even twice without that trust, but they can't sustain it. And they won't sustain it over time. And they won't get the referral business. And then when there's an alternative, customers will go elsewhere. But when you really build high trust and when your salespeople are trusted, when they're seen as trusted advisors, not just salespeople trying to make a deal and get a commission, but trusted advisors seeking your best interest, that's when the equation changes. And that's when you get long-term relationships. That's also when you get the referral business and people staying with you. And that's where the profit is. So sales is all about trust. And, but I would argue even so is all of leadership because uh, as a leader, if you're trusted, people will follow. And, and when you communicate the strategy, they'll, 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 they'll seek to execute it. If you're not trusted, then there's a question about whether you're understanding the strategy right. There's a question about if that's the best strategy and so forth, and, and everything changes dramatically. So it, it – you know, trust is just so foundational, so basic. I think we've looked right past it, 
and and kind of uh, neglected it and ignored it. But, but the problem is that we're operating today in an increasingly low trust world. So suddenly it's coming to our attention and people are becoming aware of it. It's like Warren Buffett said. He said, he said, trust is like the air that we breathe. When it's present, nobody really notices. <laughs> but when it's absent, everybody notices. And what's happening today is we're seeing an increasing absence of trust. And so suddenly people are starting to become more aware of this trust and how important it is. Stephen, I could chat with you all day, but we're a little tight for time today. I just want to do a, a, a big shout out to uh, everybody that's listening. What for them should they be doing to gain trust in the new year? I would say if you could focus on, on uh, these three things, it will really uh, help you grow trust. And I'm trying to make it as simple as I can. The first thing is is uh, declare your intent to grow trust, that it matters to you, that, that for you as a leader, for you as a person, that you, you, know, you say, look, I'd like to build relationships of trust here. I'd like to build a trust on our team or with this partnership or with this group because most people will respond well to that. And they'll also understand what you're trying to do and why. So you're open, you're transparent. You're not, you don't have a hidden agenda. You have an open agenda and you're declaring it. I'd like to increase trust because you know what? If we can increase trust in this relationship, if we can trust each other more, it's better for everyone. We'll both do better. We'll perform better. We'll enjoy it more. It'll be more fun, etc. So declare your intent to build the trust. The second then is to um, uh, look in the mirror and focus first on your credibility. And, and see, all trust starts with each of us. And credibility is the foundation on which the trust is built. And so credibility is – it comes from the Latin term credere, which means to believe. So it means believability. And that credibility flows out of your character and out of your competence. So you're looking in the mirror and you're saying, how credible am I in terms of my character, in terms of my competence? And you really need both sides. If someone is high, has high character but low competence, they won't sustain the credibility and the trust because at some point it will break down. The opposite is true as well. So if someone's high competence – the low character, you know, people like the fact that you can perform, but they're worried about your agenda or your integrity, and, and that will undermine the trust. So you want to be a person of high character and high competence, and I call the combination of that credibility. And so, so you declare your intent. I want to grow trust, first step. Second step, I focus on myself, my credibility, and, and ensuring my character and my competence. That, so that is giving to others a person they can trust. And then the third thing would be this is it's very simple and that's just to do what you said what you say you're going to do say it here's what we're going to do so that's declaring your intent now do it saying it builds hope doing it builds trust but in today's world where you know people need to stand for something we need to do both we need to both declare our intent here's what we're trying to do here's what i'm trying to do here's what we're going to do and then deliver on it do it perform and when there's very little gap between what we say and what we do, when the say-do ratio is one-to-one, -one, that's when the trust really gets built fast. And when you can get that kind of reputation that, look, you know, Bob is transparent and he's open, he declares his intent, he wants to build trust in relationships, that's important to him. And he starts with himself, he always, you know, starts with himself first, and then if he says it, he's going to do it. There's not a gap between what he says and what he does. And when you get that kind of reputation that you do what you say you're going to do, you can build trust remarkably fast. So let me give you one illustration of this from a business perspective. 
I was with Grady Rogier. He's the CEO of McLean uh, Distribution. They're in food services. It's, today, it's a $33 billion company. So this is not a small company. This is a big company. And But about a decade ago, they were acquired by, um, uh, Wa- uh, by Warren Buffett. They, they, they had been part of Walmart, and, and now Warren Buffett, the great investor, was acquiring McLean. And the whole deal happened um, from start to finish in 29 days in making this deal happen because Buffett had such credibility and trust in McLean that he didn't have to do all the traditional due diligence with accountants and bankers and attorneys and you know due diligence people. Instead, there was such high trust they could do the deal on a simple handshake. They closed it in less than one month. And they spent no money in the due diligence. So I asked, I asked Grady Rogier, how was Warren Buffett able to do that? How, how did you build that kind of trust? And Grady said this. He said, you know what, Stephen, we, we had a track record and I had a track record over many, many years that we always did what we said we were going to do. We always had that reputation. Warren saw that. He'd seen it. He saw it in us. We met. We immediately, he said, this is a person I can trust. And with trust, you can move fast. We did the deal in a handshake. We closed it in less than a month. And, and you know, since then, they've continued to grow the business. But he said but it came out because we had a reputation that we do what we say we're going to do. And he could trust us. And with trust, you can have exceptional speed. And you know, so just a very quick illustration of, of this is real. This is not just kind of a Pollyannish nice thing to, to be trusted. This is economics. This is moving faster in business, lower cost, retaining customers and people and, and employees and, and getting the multiplier effect working for us in everything that we're doing. There's huge economics to trust. It's, it's a reputation economy today. Every, we're interdependent. We're connected. When you have a reputation of being trusted, that's like a new currency. Yeah, there's money as a currency and trust as a currency. And when you have that currency like Warren Buffett does, like Grady Rogier does, then with that currency, you get extraordinary results, the dividends of high trust. And so, so my advice to people is to, to do those three things. Declare your intent to grow it. Look in, you know, first step, second step, look in the mirror. Start with yourself, your credibility. And then third, your behavior. You do what you say you're going to do. And when you, when you do those three things, you watch. You'll increase the trust. And with that, great business results will follow. How do people find out more information about this? Um, we got a terrific website uh, that that uh, is myspeedoftrust.com. So myspeedoftrust.com, and there's a variety of tools on there, including some complementary tools that can where people can assess their credibility and and see how credible they are, and and they can learn more of uh, different uh, resources that are out there and available. And and um, and you know, and we, and we and we created training around this and some other things because our whole goal is to take this idea of trust from being this this kind of ethereal, mystical, intangible that everyone knows is important, but no one knows how to get their arm around arms around, and turn it into something um, actionable, concrete, tangible, something you can do something about. And that's what we've done. So at myspeedoftrust.com, there's a variety of different tools and resources, and in case studies and examples. And things I think that your listeners will find interesting and valuable to them. Um, before I go, you know, you've got two books on the same subject: Smart Trust, The Speed of Trust. Can you read those books in any order, or is there a better order to read them? You can read them in any order. Um, uh, uh, they're they're both 
They both obviously covered the topic of trust. Speed of trust kind of lays out the broader foundation. Smart trust probably gives more examples and illustrations of people applying this in today's economy. But there's but there's lots of examples in speed of trust, and there's some foundational elements in, in smart trust. But I just come at it from different angles. So either order, um, I think that they'll both give our listeners a great sense of how trust can be an extraordinary um, leadership competency for for every for every one of us, and how it affects. The reason it's so important, Bob, is that trust is the one thing that changes everything. So you increase the trust, everything else that you need to do goes up. It, it's improved. It's made better when you're trusted. When you're not trusted, just the opposite. Everything else that you do is viewed suspiciously, and and people are questioning and wondering about it. So it's it's so high leveraged, and that's why in today's low trust world. To be trusted is such an advantage, and that's true for a leader and for an organization, for a brand, and, and, and really for, for nations and, and societies. Today, we had Stephen Covey on The Speed of Trust, The One Thing That Changes Everything. Thank you very much for your time. It was awesome, as usual. Thank you, Bob. I love being on your show. Thanks so much.
that was an awesome book. We have some great new books and authors for you to meet in the coming shows, and I know you will enjoy them immensely. You can contact me directly at contactbob.tell or visit our website at www.businessbooktalk.com. See you next week.